Good stuff, man. I said this last night. I'm going to say it again tonight. Um, I love being a part of a church where some guys who love Jesus can play like that, right? Nuts. I wish I could play like that. Uh, I know some chords, but all right, those guys have skills. So um, Matt actually apologized to me yesterday when I showed up because he said, um, James, we don't have an intro video for you to come out to to teach. And I said, Matt, don't apologize. That's fine. Like I can, I can deal with coming out to that. I think I'm going to request that that's the intro music every Sunday morning from now on. So, uh, guys are killing it. So, hey, I want to stop again, and I know Tony already did this, but uh, I want to do it as well. Thanks for being here, Um, especially if you're a guest. We want to welcome you. We know there's a lot you could be doing on Christmas Eve, and you're here, and we're honored that you're here hanging out, worshiping with us. Uh, My name is James, and in, I guess, a little over a week... I will officially be the lead pastor of this church here in Cartersville. And and, uh, I'm very excited about that and very excited about 2012. Um, God did great stuff last night, anticipating the same for us tonight. So let's get our Bibles. Let's go Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And as you're flipping there, I just want to start with a question. I want to get us to think tonight, all right? And here's the question I want you to just get an answer to in your brain. You don't need to shout this out, but just think about what your response would be. If I asked you tonight to describe the world in which we live in a single word, what would your answer be? So if you had to kind of take a, take a, a, just stop everything you're doing, take a look around you and go, okay, I'm going to sum this up, one word, what word would you use? I put this same question on Facebook this past week as I was preparing for this message and I probably got a hundred or more answers from a bunch of my friends and so I just wanted to read some of their responses to you tonight and um, maybe these words are what you're thinking right now. So here's what they had to say. Um, They had self-centered, hurting, empty, lost, broken, dark, depraved, passive, deceived, despairing, Chaotic, heartless, wicked, apathetic, desperate, fearful, confused, compromised, crazy, rebellious, and volatile. Merry Christmas to us, right? Don't you feel encouraged? Glad you came here to church on Christmas Eve. Um, Some of you guys right now in the seats, I bet you're probably thinking some of those same words. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb and just assume something about all of us right now, okay? I bet that there's not a single person in this room, and there wasn't a single person that said this on Facebook, when I asked that question, the first thing that popped in your brain was peaceful, right? I would just assume that none of us would answer that way, and I think that the reason behind that is pretty obvious. It's because when we look at the world, we see a world around us full of things like murder and rape and addiction and disease and racism and prejudice and hatred towards others and wars and natural disasters, all these things that would fall into a category much different than one labeled peaceful, right? Let me ask you this question, and we'll kind of take it big picture, small picture, and and I want you to think about this for you, okay? Your individual life right now. If I ask you that same question, like you as a person, an individual how would you describe your life right now in one word? Like, would you answer that question, peaceful? My life's pretty peaceful, right? Or would you say my life is at peace? Or would your answer be much different than that? The people that Isaiah was addressing in Isaiah chapter 9, 
these were a, a group of people who if asked these questions I've asked you tonight, um, peace would have been the furthest thing from their mind. They probably would have responded to that question with the same answers that I read you a minute ago and the same answers that many of you have in your brains right now. And I want to tell you why, and if you've been here over the course of this series, you've heard me say this, but I'll explain it again quickly, okay? The people that Isaiah's writing to, they live in a country called Judah. And during this time, the Bible says these people, they're just kind of living how they want. They're doing whatever they want. Isaiah in chapter 1 actually says these people have been blessed by God, but they despise him. So in the midst of them living like this, their king, whose name is Ahaz, makes a really dumb decision. And here's what he does. There's this country not far from Judah called Assyria. And they're powerful and they're conquering nations. I mean, they're walking into other people's territory, killing people and just setting up shop. Well, King Ahaz, the king of Judah, he sees this and in his brain, he says, man, they're probably coming our way. And so I need to do something. He gets scared and he actually runs to the Assyrians and says, hey, instead of you guys killing us, conquering us, why don't you guys just go ahead and come on into our country and take over? So King Ahaz says, here's the reins. You run this place. Just protect us against everybody else. That's all we want. Now, Assyria... They're very pagan people, they don't worship God, they're very violent people, and they are very hostile toward the people of God. So here's this country, they show up in Judah, and they start forcing the people that live there into slavery. So this idea of peace for these people that Isaiah was writing to, I mean, it was a foreign and a far-fetched idea. But here's the beautiful thing, in the midst of their craziness... God sends Isaiah to them to bring them a message of hope. And I want us to read this message together tonight. Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along here on the screens. Here's what Isaiah says. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So God, through the prophet Isaiah, says to these people, his people, listen, I know your life is crazy right now. Peace, it isn't anywhere on your radar, but don't worry. I'm sending someone, and he's going to fix this. And God says, I'm going to send him, and his name is going to be called the Prince of Peace. And he is ultimately one day going to reign and rule over all creation and bring peace into the lives of of people who love and follow him. And church, here's what we know tonight from reading this book. We know that that promised prince of peace, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I want to talk to you just for the next few minutes and tell you what kind of peace Jesus came to this earth to not only bring the people back then, but to bring all of us still today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down, all right? First, foremost, most importantly, Tonight, you need to know that Jesus came to this earth to bring you peace with God. He came to bring you peace with God. You've got to hear this tonight. 
There is not a more desperate need that any of us in this room have tonight than to have peace made between us and God. There's nothing in life we need more. Here's what this book teaches. This book teaches that every single one of us in this room, without exception, are sinful people who do sinful things, and because of that, we're actually enemies of God. Right? Here's this holy God, righteous God, perfect God, and uh, none of us are any of those things. We're not perfect, we're not holy, we're not righteous. And so because of that, there's always this conflict going on between us and him, the Bible says. And here's the really, really bad news. Are you ready? Bad news is that none of us can do a single thing to change that. Not a single thing. We can't be good enough. We can't follow enough rules. We can't be nice to enough people. Um, We can't come to church enough. We can't sing enough Christmas songs. There's nothing that you and I can do to make peace between us and God. But the good news and the great news is this. There is someone who can do it for us. And again, his name is Jesus. I think a lot of times during this time of year, um, some of us are guilty of kind of stopping short, right? Like we'll celebrate the baby and Jesus came and he was born and shepherds and angels and that's awesome. And we need to celebrate that. But what we can never afford to forget is that the very reason Jesus came to this earth in the first place was to make peace with God for sinful people. Jesus was born into this world to live a sinless and a perfect life for us because we couldn't do it. Jesus was born into this world so that at the end of his life, he could go to a cross and he could die in our place for our sins so that we could be loved and accepted by God. And not only that, three days later, he rose from the grave to conquer sin and death and hell on our behalf so that we could know eternal life. This is what we celebrate this time of year. Not just that Jesus was born into the world, but we celebrate all that he came here to do. And most importantly, he came to bring us peace with God. This is exactly what Paul tells us in the book of Romans and Colossians. Um, I just want to read you these verses. We'll throw them up here as well. Romans 5.1, listen to this. Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20, Paul says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Here's what I need you to know tonight. Jesus came to this earth to do something for you that you could never do for yourself. He came to bring you peace with God. Secondly, Jesus also came to bring us the peace of God of God. Came to bring us peace with God. He came to bring us the peace of God. I wonder, have you ever met a person who they're walking through just what seems like an overwhelming circumstance and somehow they have this sense of peace about them that just seems to make no sense? You ever met a person like that before? Um, in my very first church, I, uh, I was a student pastor and I had a kid in my student ministry. His name was Seth And I met him when he was 13 years old. And a couple of months before I met him, he had gone to the doctor and he found out that he had terminal brain cancer. 13 years old, 8th grade. And uh, I remember the first day I I met Seth, I went to his house and had McDonald's with him and his mom. And they were telling the story of the day that he found out he had this disease. And 
um, unbelievable. This kid, he's sitting in the doctor's office. One of his doctors comes in and asks him if he's scared. Seth, are you scared? Eighth grade kid, 13 years old, looks a doctor in the face and says, fear is not a part of God's vocabulary, so it's not going to be a part of mine. Unbelievable, right? I, I hung out with Seth and we became really close over the next two years of his life. And um, yesterday was actually the eighth anniversary of his death. He passed away December 23rd of 2003. Um, I remember sitting with Seth a couple of weeks before he passed. And he knew his time was close. We knew his time was close. And I remember being at his house with one of our other pastors from the church. And we asked him a question. Seth, when you see Jesus for the first time, this kid loved Jesus. When you see Jesus for the first time, what do you think you'll say? And he sat there probably in silence for a minute, minute and a half. I didn't know if he heard us, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he broke the silence and he said, I think the only thing I'll be able to say is I'm not worthy to be here. I remember a few days before he actually passed away, taking a bunch of students to his house on a Monday night, and we had a worship service in his living room, and here's this kid in this wheelchair, can't walk, body bloated because of this horrific disease and what it had been doing to him, and here's this kid as we're singing, just worshiping Jesus. You see, this is what the peace of God looks like. It is a peace that God gives to people who love him and follow him. And this peace cannot be shaken by circumstances, by people, by problems, or by pain. And this peace is made available and is possible because of Jesus and him alone. Paul again speaks about this peace in the book of Philippians. And I want to read these verses to you out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Listen to what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplica or supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's Paul writing to this church in Philippi, and he's going, listen, when it comes to life, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. I think for a lot of us, and, and myself included, man, a lot of times what we have the tendency to do is we live very horizontally, right? We encounter pain, we encounter problems, we encounter difficult people, difficult circumstances, and we start looking at all these things and we kind of start freaking out. And not only do we look at these things and they're hard to deal with, but we start looking around us to try and find solutions to ease the pain, to ease the problems, and to bring us peace. Here's Paul's plea to the church. He's saying, quit living so horizontally and start living vertically. This is what he's saying. He's going, listen, don't worry about all of this stuff, but instead what you do is you go to God and you thank him. You thank him. Now, this isn't a plea for us to go thank God for our horrible life circumstances, right? Paul's sitting in jail when he's writing this, mind you. I don't think Paul was going, God, thank you, I'm in jail, right? I mean, Paul's calling us to thank God for something much different, and here's what he's calling us to thank God for. He's calling us to thank God for all that he is. He's calling us to thank God for how much he loves us. He's calling us to thank God for sending his son Jesus into the world to make peace between him and us. And here's what Paul says happens. He goes, when you start doing that, Quit worrying about this, and you just go to God every day, and you go, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you love me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. 
He says, you can bring requests to God and God's going to give you this sense of peace that makes absolutely no sense to the world around you. Like people are going to look at your life and what you're experiencing and the things you're walking through and they're going to sit back and go, how in the world is that person walking through that like that? And you know what you get to say? Jesus. It's Jesus. He's brought me peace. And I'm living here, not so much here. I'm okay. We're, we're going to make it through this. Jesus came to bring us the peace of God. This is good news. Third thing, last thing, and then we'll close. Jesus also came to bring us peace that never ends. Peace that never ends. If you're a regular at this church, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again, I'm going to keep saying it, all right? And, and I'm going to bring our attention back to the first part of Isaiah 9, 7. Here's what this verse says. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I love to, to think about this amazing truth that for those of us who know Jesus, there is coming a day when he himself will finally rule and reign over all the earth and over all creation and peace is all we will ever know. This book tells us that there's coming a day when sin will be no more, pain will be no more, death, mourning, crying, these things will be no more. They will be gone and peace and peace alone is what will replace all these things that are very opposite of peace. And again, it's possible because of Jesus. He brings this everlasting, eternal, never-ending peace to every single one of us who know him, love him, and follow him. I, I want you again to just use your brains for a minute, use your imagination. And I just want you to, to just think about this with me, okay? I want you to think about this world that we live in right now, void of all those things I just mentioned. So no sin, no, no death, no pain anymore, no hard people, no bad circumstances, none of that's all gone. It's all gone. No mourning, nothing. Now I want you to imagine that Jesus himself is here with us in the flesh. He's here. And he is king over everything, over the entire earth. Now I want you to imagine this. Every single person alive loves Jesus. They love him and they call him king and they worship him and they sing his praises. And not only that, but every single person that, that's alive, they're living at peace with each other. Right? There's no murder, there's no racism, there's no prejudice, there's no wars, there's no violence. All that stuff is gone. Everybody truly loves each other. Here's the amazing news. This book says it's exactly what waits on those of us who know Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus. One day, that's going to be our reality. We will live with him as king, prince of peace, and there will be no end to his reign. This is good news. This is why I love Jesus so much, man. What a great thing that we have to look forward to. Um, here's how we'll close tonight. The Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, uh, you guys are probably really familiar with it, but over 2,000 years ago on the night Jesus was born, the Bible says an angel came to some shepherds to announce his birth. And I just want to read to you what, these, uh, or what this angel said to these guys. So listen to this. Luke 2, starting in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels on the night Jesus was born was declaring a message of hope that I want to declare to you tonight as we close. And here's the message. Here it is. Peace is available to you right now through Jesus. Right now. If you're here tonight and and you heard the peace I described, peace with God, peace of God, peace that never ends. Listen to me. You can walk out of here in just a minute and you can know that peace. Because Jesus came 2,000 years ago and lived and died and rose again, his peace is available to us right now. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never come into a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that before you leave. So I just want to invite us, if we will, to bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to pray together. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible says coming into a relationship with him, it's very easy. There's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing that you have to prove. You don't have to be good enough. You don't need to clean your act up and then come back and tell God how good you've been. God's not interested in that. He wants you just like you are right now. Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible says for you to come into a relationship with God, to have peace with God, to have the peace of God, to have eternal, never-ending peace. The Bible says you just need to be willing to believe and confess some things about Jesus. That's it. And here's what you need to be willing to confess and believe. You need to be willing to confess and believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he came to this earth to do what he said he came to do. That's it. So tonight in this place, you need to be willing to say to God, God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he came to this earth and he lived a sinless life for me. I believe that he died in my place for my sins on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave so that I could have eternal life. That's what you need to be willing to confess and believe tonight. So there's no magic prayer that saves anybody. Just tell God that stuff. If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus before, Just say it to him. God, I believe that about Jesus. I believe he's your son. God, save me. Forgive me of my sins. God, I want a relationship with you. God, I want to know before I leave this place, God, that my eternity is secure in you. God, tonight I believe Jesus is the prince of peace. I believe he came to make peace between you and me. God, I trust in him as the one who came to do that. For those of us men are struggling through life circumstances, and tell God that. Ask God to give you his peace. Thank him for who he is and how he loves you and what he's done for you. If you're here tonight and for the very first time you, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the one that God promised to send into the world, to rescue you, save you, offer you forgiveness and eternal life. 
I just want to pray for you, and we've done this at all the services. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I just want to ask you, if you would, right where you sit, just to lift your hand in the air. I just want to pray over you before you go. Hands going up all over the place. All over the place. Praise God. God, you're so good to us. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. God, I thank you that in spite of our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, God, that you still love us. God, I thank you tonight that when we could do nothing to change our lives, nothing to be loved by you, that you did everything for us. God, we celebrate that tonight. I pray over every person in here, God, tonight who placed their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. God, encourage them, overwhelm them with your love tonight. God, give them peace in this moment that things between you and them are different now. God, that you love them, that you accept them, that you forgive them. God, and that one day they're going to stand before you, not as an enemy, but as a friend. They're going to stand before you, not as someone who is still at war against you, but they're going to stand before you as your son, as your daughter. God, we cannot wait for that day. We love you. And we thank you again for your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name, in his name alone. Amen. Here's what we're going to do um, for the next couple of minutes. We just have a couple of Christmas songs we want to sing together as a church. And uh, we want this to be a time where we can just think about Jesus, reflect on Jesus, really just set our minds on who he is and what he's done for us. There are, uh, there are candles in the backs of the seats in front of you, or they may be in your seat. We'd ask you if you would take those out. There's a switch on the bottom, and you can turn those on. And I'll just ask us, we're going to stand together. These guys are going to lead us. Lord, we pray that you're glorified in this time. We love you.